0: Good morning and welcome. Merry Christmas. Anyway, I mean, so I'm Bruce. I'm a member of the church here. Uh, and I just um, am really looking forward to sharing Christmas with you all. So it's been the practice of the church for thousands of years to have portions of the Bible read during the worship services. And the assumption behind this practice is that we are people who need to be shaped by all of God's word. Um, as we begin this morning, just ask you to please join in with us in reading aloud some of the scriptures. So the way it'll work is we'll have a reading and then a song, a reading and then a song and a few other bits and pieces. But as you see the, um, the text come up on the screen, There'll be bits in italics, and we're just asking that you all join in and read those bits together with us. Is that pretty simple, straightforward? Okay, so at least that's straightforward. Um, Okay, so we've got Lorena and Lexi going to read the first reading.
1: For us to childhood... Born to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And altogether? Of the greatness
0: of his government. There will be no
2: end. He will reign on David's
0: throne and over, establishing our holy from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you. So we're going to sing Silent Night. Would you like to stand and join us? Let's just offer this time up in prayer. Please join me. Heavenly Father, we welcome Jesus, Holy Spirit, and you, God, the Father, into our presence now. We ask that you be with us. We recognise that a lot of the people here this morning don't know each other, have come from different places, and are at different stages on the journey of fellowship with you. We ask, Lord, that we'll be accepting of one another, that we'll be open to hearing and sharing the word, that we'll be close to your glory, and that we'll feel inspired, thankful, and filled with grace. And we just ask that you bless this time in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Hi, everyone. I'm Damo. I'm the pastor of the church, if you don't know me. Uh, so great to be able to celebrate together. We are going to read Micah 5, uh, verses 2 to 4. I believe it's up on the screen. There it is. Um, let's read it. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come f- for me one who will rule be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old from ancient times therefore Israel will be abandoned until the times time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the israelites let's read together he will stand and shepherds his flock in the strength of the lord in the majesty of the name of the lord his god and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Beautiful. Thanks, Bruce.
0: So in that reading we see references made to the ancientness of God and the the, um, plan that he's had for people. So this song is not actually a Christmas carol, but it is about the ancient of days. So please come forward and stand up and join us. So this is my opportunity to speak a little bit. Don't worry, it won't take long. Christmas means that God did not leave us alone. He came to rescue us. And so we have joy, hope, love and peace with God. If we have placed our trust in him, we'll have all that. Here is what the Bible says about faith and about redemption and repentance. It may be a little confronting at first, but don't worry, it gets better. Paul says in Romans, None is righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, it was not meant to cause us to feel shame and guilt. Jesus is all is all about overcoming shame and guilt. Now, Paul, who wrote this scripture, was a man filled with wisdom because Jesus appeared to him in a vision. Before Jesus appeared to him, he was the great persecutor of Christians in the early church, and he brought many to court and to death but he had a complete change of heart when jesus appeared to him and he became the great apostle paul <clears throat> i suppose in today's language we might say none is righteous no one is perfect we get that a bit closer a bit easier don't we we don't we know we're not perfect no one's perfect and sin which is a very difficult word in this day and age because it's not used in common language. It has many connotations and, I don't know, many people don't really understand it. But sin, according to the Bible, can be both voluntary and involuntary. So sin is something that causes us to harm someone else or ourselves. Sin is something we do that causes us to be distanced from God. Sometimes we can deliberately, voluntarily choose to do stuff, to say things that will cause harm to others or to ourselves. Sometimes, no matter what we try to do, the best of our intentions, we still end up doing it. We don't want to do it, but we still end up causing trouble. And, as a result, don't we come up with all kinds of schemes and ideas and systems about how we can make ourselves self-righteous? how we can come to terms with our regrets and our failures and our sin. How we can try to feel better about it. It doesn't work, really. It has some merit. But it doesn't work in the long run. God's righteousness is a different thing altogether. The righteousness that we feel, that we hope for, that we want in God, is a deep yearning, isn't it? From every for everyone. Whether we really understand it or not, it's a deep yearning that we long to be righteous with God to be a part of the glory of God, to be in God. So our self-righteousness opposed to God's righteousness are two very different things. So we, because of our imperfection, are unable to stand clearly and honestly and openly before God. Because he is perfect. He is all-powerful. He knows everything. He is everywhere. We are unable to stand and relate, communicate, and be in in life and love with God. Unless we get saved. How does that happen? That happens through Jesus. So... Paul then goes on to say, the wages of sin is death. And that is really heavy to be talking about that on Christmas morning. But again, it's not meant to be a threat. It's not meant to shame us. It's not meant to say, "Uh, you people are bad. No, it's saying this is the nature of things. We simply, in our own strength, are unable to have a relationship with God. And then he goes on and he says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Originally, we were not supposed to die when God first made us. But death is the natural result of separation from God, so all people have died. But this is the point. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God didn't leave us alone. He came to rescue us. In Jesus, we can stand before God. In Jesus, we are righteous. In Jesus, we don't fall short of the glory of God. In Jesus, we can live in God and he lives in us, in this life and in the next. Every believer knows this and they have received some sort of a revelation from God regarding his son, Jesus Christ. This movement that Jesus began is the largest and most significant movement in all of human history. It is said that maybe some four billion people have been called by Jesus over the last 2,000 years. Self-righteousness is replaced with God's righteousness, and the believer can know the glory of God. And how do we do this? Well, Paul goes on. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is no no other name Jesus is the only one given power to save if Jesus has touched you during my monologue and he's called you and he's like said you need to know more about this then there'll be someone at the end that you can pray with come up the front there'll be someone here and you can talk about it some more and pray with them but now let's go on with our celebration of Christmas and aren't the kids doing a great job We've got heaps of great musicians in this church and we could have put on a really magnificent display of music, but we wanted the kids to do it because...
1: We decided to have a magnificent display anyway. Yes, yes.
0: well said Damo. Okay, so next up is Leanne.
1: So this is a short reading um, from Luke chapter 2 verses 4 to 7. And um, when we get to the second part, if we can all read together again. So Joseph Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them.
0: Please stand and join us. We're going to sing Angels. No, we're not. Way in a manger.
2: morning my name is Monica I'm part of this church and I just want to update you on what we are doing next term Uh, as a church as Bruce has just said there's so much imperfection and we want to learn how to do it really well and be God's kingdom in this community and so we are going to read a book together Uh, the good and beautiful community, and we will be uh, looking at lots of uh, interesting things uh, together, and I would like to encourage you to maybe join. So for example, we would look at uh, a hopeful community. What does that look like? A serving community. What does that look like? A Christ-centered community. We want to be an encouraging and generous community and a worshiping community. These are just some of the themes in this book that we're going to read together. Now, if you are not part of this church or don't usually come, you're still invited and we would love to have you with us. There's at the back a list where you can write your name in and we will want to uh, create very small groups for just six weeks and you would commit to come to those six uh, meetings and to the Sunday service and look at what does Christian community in our community here in Margaret River look like. We would love to have you along.
0: Thank you, Monica. Quentin's going to read for it. I'm reading from Luke 2, verses 8 to 14. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The appropriate song after that is Angels We Have Heard on High. Thank you and please be seated. And just while Sylvia comes up for our last reading, a prayer of belief might go something like this. The exact words are not important but rather confession, agreeing with God that you are a sinner and the stance of your heart, uh, you are a sinner and the stance of your heart in repentance and faith. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am weaker and more sinful than I ever believed, but through you I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. I thank you for paying my debt, bearing my punishment on the cross and offering forgiveness and new life knowing that you have been raised from the dead I turn from my sins and receive you as Saviour and Lord Amen
3: I'm reading from Luke 2 15 to 20 and if you join in when you see the italics on the screen
0: Let's stand and sing, O Kamali Faithful.
1: One, two. Have you got me there? Tomo, there I am. Somewhere around there anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to church today. Such a pleasure to be able to uh, just engage with you, sing carols, do all of these great Christmassy things. I loved that conversation I had a little earlier. What makes Christmas Christmas? And coming to church on Sunday, uh, on Christmas Day, makes it Christmas for me a little bit. Um, I get the privilege of, of just unpacking one just one point for you today. One simple foundational truth that I want us to come to today. And that is that there is no peace without vulnerability. There is no peace without vulnerability. We've we've just sung it, we've said in our Isaiah passage, Prince of Peace. And that's where I want to go to this year. It's been all through all of the readings that came through Uh, and it's been through my Facebook feed this morning. Anybody get on Facebook or on their social media this morning and all of a sudden everywhere it says Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. I want us to go there. Without, uh, where there, there is, sorry, let me say this here. There is no peace without vulnerability. How did I put that? You cannot have peace without vulnerability what a year, right? Uh, Death of the Queen, ongoing war in Ukraine, closer to home we have the effects of COVID or the after effects of COVID, Uh, here in Margaret River, the lack of housing for our locals. Where is the peace in amongst all this? There's actually a lot for us to be anxious about in our world. But I'll say it again, peace can't happen until there's vulnerability. Let me share a story to unpack this. Who who keeps an eye on the news? Anybody reading the news later? Who keeps up with the Ukraine war? That has been coming through my news feed every day and I've had to be really uh, vigilant about how much I let that come in and actually affect me. Um, this is something that came across my feed uh, just recently. This is what war is. This is a photo of the Donatysk region uh, on the border of Russia. Uh, this is a photo that... I was taken within a week. This is a week ago. This is what these guys are living in, in Christmas or living with for Christmas. What kind of Christmas is it to be for these people this year? What would it take to bring peace into this situation? As I've come into Christmas... I've actually realised that a lot of our family interactions, a lot of our work or even a lot of our community interactions, they might even be at this level of damage. Not physical damage, but in terms of our emotional damage, the damage that we do to one another when we uh, engage with one another in a poor way. The the thing that Bruce was talking to us about before, the sin, that, that inability for us to do the right thing with one another in all instances, whether it's meaningful or not. Under the surface, emotional scarring, moral wounding, sometimes even physical Um The unhappy truth is that Christmas isn't always a happy and joyful time for everyone. Sometimes the landscape of our lives can look like this. And we might think, hang on, this is what Christmas has to look like. We might think, hey, Christmas has to look like this. That there's no other way, that we'll always be at war with the other side. Uh, perhaps that family member. Uh, that's gone too far. I will always be at war with that person. Uh, perhaps our marriage is too far gone. Perhaps the work situation, that person I'm arguing with at work. Uh, perhaps even in church. Perhaps our relationships with our old friends. Um, maybe even you might be at war with God. You might be, you know, I don't, I don't want a thing to do about God. I don't want to know Him. I don't care. And all along, this is the picture of the damage that we leave in the wake of our anger. What would it take to bring peace this morning into your situation, into the situations that I've just named? When I was a teen, I came across a story about the World War I Christmas truces. And I've been fascinated by them ever since. Uh, in 1914, on the border of France and Germany, I've got a picture up there, uh, the English allies were fighting against Germany. Five months into it, in a place not unlike what was up on the screen there, The peace and the power of vulnerability—the peace and power of the vulnerability of Christmas—was able to break through. The peace and the power of vulnerability of Christmas was about to break through. I'd love to sing you a just a short little excerpt of a song uh, written by a man named uh, John McCutcheon, social activist. You've probably heard it. He went and visited some of the German survivors uh, who were there during those Christmas truces. And it goes like this. It was Christmas in the trenches where the frost so bitter hung. The frozen fields of France where still, no Christmas song was sung. Our families back in England were toasting us that day. They're brave and glorious lads so far away. I was lying with my missmate on the cold and rocky ground when across the lines of battle came a most peculiar sound. Says I now, listen up, me boys, each soldier strained to hear as one young German voice sang out so clear. He's singing bloody well, you know, my partner says to me. Soon one by one, each German voice joined in in harmony. The cannons rested silent. The gas clouds rolled no more. As Christmas brought us respite, from the wall. As soon as they were finished and reverent pause was spent, God rest ye merry gentlemen, truck up some lads from Kent. The next they sang was Still enough, Tis silent night, says I. And in two tongues, one voice filled up that sky. There's someone coming towards us. The frontline sentry cry. All sights were fixed on one lone figure trudging from their side. His truce flag like a Christmas star shone on that plain so bright. As he bravely strode unarmed into the night, then one by one on either side walked into no man's land. With neither gun nor bayonet, we met there head to head. We shared some secret brandy and wished each other well and in a flare. A game we gave them hell it Was Christmas in the trenches Where the frost so bitter hung The frozen fields of France were warmed As Christmas songs were sung For the walls they kept between us To exact the work of war Had been crumbled And are gone forevermore Walls they kept between us to exact the work of war had been crumbled and are gone forevermore. How did these Christmas truces happen? Like what? What would make somebody step into that space, into that no man's land, into that crazy? Unbelievable space, right? Somebody had to be vulnerable. Somebody had the courage to say, you know what, I don't want to fight anymore. Imagine being that first man to step out into no man's land in that 1940s war. What courage. What a way to forge peace. That same example of a man stepping into no man's land is exactly what God did as he entered into human existence courageous and humble. Our passage is in Isaiah 9 today. Isaiah 9:7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is no more vulnerable way to declare peace with a people than to enter into and place a baby into the fray of war. For us today, we celebrate this hope of the world in Christ Jesus. Born today, all those years ago, in the middle of our war with each other, in the middle of our war with God. The whole of human history has pitted us against God. Uh, From the ancient Near Eastern times, from Adam and Eve, Moses, all the rest of that, uh, the surrounding uh, country surrounding the Israelite people. Uh, The rain doesn't fall, they say. God must be angry with us. Our crops fail. God must be angry with us. Or even today, if we come all the way forward to today, and I've had conversations with some people in this room throughout the year, and I've heard these words, God must hate me. Or even worse, I've heard the words, I hate God. What a picture of war, right? Right? And today I want to declare to you that somebody in this argument doesn't want to fight anymore. Someone has chosen to be vulnerable and has entered into no man's land to see if we can have true peace. And that person was Jesus. And there's no more vulnerable spot for the timeless and eternal God to come down out of than to enter into time as a human being. Those that follow him, they govern in his name, they govern in vulnerability. We always lay down our lives and our right to be the winner. There will never be peace until we learn this lesson of perfect vulnerability. And this is the picture that we see all throughout this Isaiah book. It's all throughout it, from sheep lying with wolves, our swords beaten into ploughshares. Babies entering into vulnerable places. What a courage, what a show of courage by a loving God. A God who loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and you, and you. Someone willing to put skin in the game. What courage by a loving God. And all along we call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Who can can we turn to in our trouble? Who knows what vulnerability looks like? That is why he is the Prince of Peace. As we come to a close, right, the man who wrote that song that I just sang, he visited those men from that time in those trenches. He got their stories from what happened on that Christmas day. And the men who he was talking to told him, not all who were there on that day chose to join in on that no man's land. Some were scared. Some said, I can't do this. Some said, it's not right. I don't know. You might be in that place, you know, I can't be vulnerable, I can't do it, I'm, I'm too frightened. And of course, you know, you know, this Christmas, there's still consequences for the actions of our past, right? We can't get away from that, but that doesn't stop us from being able to make a move towards truth. Make a move towards truth, towards peace, truth with humanity, the other people in your life maybe even truth towards God? Will you be brave enough this Christmas to call that family member or work colleague or enemy, if you want to use that word and talk it out? Will you be vulnerable, showing love for the other person even if you feel they don't deserve it? Perhaps even you want to engage in community. Will you be vulnerable enough with us To help people know God. Of God's love. To help people know and share the peace. Of the peace bringing Christ. Will you help us do that? Will you be vulnerable and help us do that? Will you help us and you know we'll help others explore this dynamic of vulnerable peace. As we care for one another. Because that's what we're on about at this church. There is no peace without vulnerability there cannot be peace without vulnerability let me pray for us as I close timeless loving and gracious God thank you for stepping into history your plan of vulnerability and peace all along Lord showing us that we don't need to fight that we can leave the things that have hurt us to your judgement Lord, we trust you to govern with all authority. Lord, we trust you to govern with justice. And Lord, we trust you to bring peace. Lord, we give up our right to be angry. And we seek to follow your example where you sent your son. Lord Jesus, Lord God, in this moment we worship you. And we thank you that you took the first step to help us to know that we are loved. Thank you that we no longer have a reason to be at war. Because you have brought us peace through your son Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team.
0: Joy to the world.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Joy to the world, the Lord.
0: May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Please go ahead, go forward, and enjoy a Christmas morning. Family, friends, gifts, no snow. And uh, thanks for coming this morning. God bless.